is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 89, operating on August 9th, 2021. This is Drew and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two app geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Doug, how was your airline weekend? <laughs> my airline weekend? What? I don't even know what day it is today. Uh, it's I, Wednesday, right? I, I think, think it's Tuesday or Wednesday. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> we're going to talk about where we're at right now. You might hear some background noises. We are in person, which is the first time in several months that we're doing a recording in person. So yeah. This is this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. And it's, um, you know, it, these trips are a time for us to brainstorm. We just think about stuff as we're traveling and yeah. eating and drinking. So do we want to tell people where we are right now or do we want to lead up to it? I don't even know where we are <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> We, and um, I didn't even know yesterday when we were trying to get the flight to the place we're at right, right. now, and I, I, we were trying all these different variations, which yeah. we'll talk about. I had to stop and think. I, I don't even know what airport I'm at right now. Yeah. Each time I did that, I was like, "Where am I in the, in the world <laughs> <laughs> or in the U.S.?" Well, I, I mean, guess. it's so bad that last night we bought T-shirts so we could remember where we went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but we'll get to that. Um, so let's talk about how you got. We met in Newark. Mm-hmm. Let's tell the listeners how we each got there. Yeah, this is, I think I talked about it last weekend. I had to do several jump seat observations as part of my training before I start my sims next week. And this is my jump seat trip that I'm on. I left Sacramento Monday morning, was it? Yeah, Monday morning Mm -hmm. on a 737-900 ER in the Uh jump seat. That flight deck is tiny. (laughs) It It was really awkward because I had to put my suitcase in the first class bin because it didn't even fit in the closet in the flight deck. Is it much smaller than a DC-10? Oh, it's so much smaller. Yeah. Huh. DC-10 is enormous. We can get five people on the cockpit. Wow. It's, it's huge. Yeah, this was tiny. Mm-hmm. Really <laughs> awkward. The jump seat literally pulls out of this little closet right behind the center console and it like sticks into the door right right behind the where the jump seat is. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the middle my knees are touching the center console, and there's so much stuff that gets printed throughout the flight. Mm-hmm. The weather, the notums, the dispatch release, all of this stuff. And the printer spits out between my legs, and yeah. the pilots <laughs> apologized. They were like, sorry, uh, we, we're, we're going to have to reach between your legs multiple, <laughs> multiple times during Don't the flight. Don't take it the wrong way. Don't take it the wrong way. Um, why... Are they printing all this stuff? What happened to the iPads and the? Because know? when when you're in flight, you don't have connectivity. I, I mean, you do have Wi-Fi, but mm-hmm. it's not. You've been on flights where the Wi-Fi is in op and right. it doesn't work, and so they can't it. rely on that. Yeah, and so there's just throughout the flight, they're getting these updates, they're getting timing updates, gate updates, things like that. Yeah, that that has to print off, and so it comes out between your legs when <laughs> when you're sitting in the jump seat. Gotta love the 737. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome, though. The crew was really friendly. I, I was really nervous for it because it was my first time doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. I, I I was explaining to you that it's very chivalrous, I guess, is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. Because even though you're confirmed as the jump seat, yeah. once, once you get that boarding pass that says cockpit access, you still have to ask the captain permission to use his jump seat, his or her is there a specific verbiage you're supposed to use? I, I think it, uh, no, no, not really. Uh, you just have to be polite about mm-hmm. it. And so I said, good morning, Captain. I introduced myself and I, I said, I'd like to request your jump seat 
today? And he said, yeah, absolutely, coming up. Uh, they were really friendly. They were teaching me lots of things about the guppy or the fluff or the, <laughs> the, the WSC. Can. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they were, they were really good, really friendly. It was awesome to see. And the arrival in, into Denver was nuts, just from a weather deviation standpoint, mm-hmm. from a traffic standpoint, from a turbulence standpoint. Were they landing on multiple runways? They were, yes. We landed on 3-5, is it 3-4 or 3-5 right Mm -hmm. at Denver, so the east side. Okay. And then we had to taxi all the way around to the the west side of the B gates. So that was really cool, getting to see all the Denver operations and, and everything. Okay, so you got to Denver, and your connection time wasn't too long. Right? It wasn't too long. It was it was only 50 minutes, which normally, if I was sitting in the back, I would be worried about a... We got a, it? We got a lawn dart or... Oh, yeah, Sierra GN900 yeah. landing behind us. Uh, well, oh, yeah, 50-minute connection time. I, I wasn't really that nervous, because as a jump seat, you board last. You board mm-hmm. after the last passenger is boarded, and so I, and I, I only had like 10 gates that I had to go, so it was relatively leisurely. Went and checked in. Oh, here was another thing. Mm. I had a confirmed seat in the back on both of these flights okay. as a jump seater. Yeah. So as a jump seater, if there's seats in the back, the gate agents will give that to you because generally that's more comfortable than sitting in the flight deck. Yeah. And I had to go up to the gate agent. First of all, you, you always have to go up to the gate agent and check in and say good morning or good afternoon. I'm, I'm your jump seater today. And both times I had to tell the gate agent I would like to turn down my seat in the back because I'm doing these observation rides. Yeah. The guy in Denver, the CS agent in Denver, I think understood mm-hmm. and, and was totally fine with it and said, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'll do that. The gate agent <laughs> Sacramento. in Sacramento looked at me like I had three heads and was like, <laughs> like wait, why? what are you saying? You're turning down your seat? You want to sit in the flight deck? And yeah. I said, yeah, I have to do it for training. That's that's why I'm asking well, the guy in Denver is used to it, probably, because mm-hmm. that's a that's training center. Training, yeah, yeah, so that, that makes sense. So you got on the 777. So when you, it was short connection. So when you got on the 777 in the jump seat, were they mostly done with their checklist? They were, yeah. At that point, they were, um, which that's the one unfortunate thing about these observation rides. They suggest try and find the pilots before they board and ask if you can board with them so mm-hmm. that way you can see some the of the, the pre-flight mm-hmm. things. But by the time I got there, the both the captain and the FO were already on the triple seven, and it's okay. So here's here's the thing too that I, I don't think I told you there were two jetways on the triple seven. Nice. So the the Polaris cabin boarded on one left, and then the regular cabin on yeah. two left. But by the time I had boarded, they had already pulled the one left jetway okay. once once business was done boarding. Yeah. So I boarded two left, and then got to walk through business and people are kind of looking at me like who's this, this guy? dude yeah yeah who's this imposter <laughs> yeah coming up here so i introduced myself to the captain got on the flight deck which is huge on the triple seven hmm. bigger than the dc it's 10? uh about the same size i would say yeah and there's so much room to put my bag i asked the captain should i put it in, in the bins in business and he mm-hmm. said no I'll bring it up here there's tons of room and there mm-hmm. was there, there was just so much space but then the captain took me on a little tour. He took me back to the galley and was showing me how to look at the lab fluids mm, on the right. touchscreen and how much potable water we had and, and things like that. I think they call that the SIDS, uh, Cabin Information Display. Yeah, it, it might be. Yeah, so he was he was punching around on that, showing me some things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and both flights, the flight attendants came up to us and asked if we wanted coffee or, mm, nice. or Coke or, or something yeah. before the flight. Now, do you actually... So, but let's save this because we had... Coming up, we have a segment where you're going to specifically talk about what you did as a mm-hmm. jump seat and how you 
assisted the crew or how you were expected to yeah. assist, and you did, mm-hmm. landing in Newark. Yeah. So let's come back to that. <clears throat> how was your arrival into Newark? Well, the, the flight itself was awesome, and, and again, the crew taught me everything about, it, it was like a fire hose right mm-hmm. over my head of just trying to, trying to follow along with everything. The taxi out of Denver, both the captain and, and the FO made a comment. We were like 10 or 11 in line mm-hmm. to take off. We took off on 8, which is the eastbound runway, kind of on the north side of the airport complex. And, and there were multiple times where we got to cross taxiways, and we had to stop and wait for the arriving traffic to taxi past. And then ramp called us and said, you can continue taxiing up mm-hmm. to the next taxiway, and there were other airplanes. And the captain and the FO both said, this feels like normal times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that just leads into wherever airport Doug and I traveled from or to, it's crazy busy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, is it better than normal times? I feel like there's more, yeah. at least domestically. Yeah. And then I got a first class meal on that flight. You did. Yeah, <laughs> which that was cool too because I, I got to see the, uh, the procedure of getting out of the flight deck mm. with the flight attendant and the coordination and, yeah. and everything, which, which was neat. Good meal. I, I felt weird though because the captain and the FO. When the flight attendant called and asked if we wanted meals, they both turned it down and said no. And so I, I, they said, you want one? I said, no, that's okay. And they're like, no, seriously, get one. Just because we're not eating it doesn't mean that you can't. That is crazy. You know, maybe the meals are very similar. You know, it's not overly creative yeah. for these roots, right? So they're probably tired of having the same the chicken same and chicken rice. And rice. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good. I, I thought it was really good. But to be honest, you know, you say back to normal times. That is one element of going back to normal times, which oh, was a meal domestically. It was a pre-COVID uh, dinner. With a salad. With a, with a, with a, sal- a cold salad, uh, a hot meal, a mm-hmm. roll, a cookie. Yeah, it was a, a full pre-COVID meal. So that's back. And, and yeah, that, that's was, right. that was just a three-hour flight. And that's what the passengers in, in business got. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of them even d- didn't even expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, just one other. So you were flying a 777. Mm-hmm. So this is the sign of the times. I mean, normally the airline wouldn't fly a triple seven on that, on that route, route, but this is an internationally configured plane that's mm-hmm. doing a domestic trip. I'm sure it was full or almost full. Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, almost full. All right, so not as exciting as your trip. To well, should, Newark. should we talk about the arrival in, in Newark? Yes, first. Yeah, we we didn't talk about that. We could see Manhattan downtown New York from mm-hmm. about a hundred miles out. It was. Beautiful. It was right at sunset. We landed on two two right at mm-hmm. Newark. If you're familiar with that, it's the the south flow, if you will. So we came in from the north, right along the Hudson, right along downtown Manhattan, right at sunset. Mm-hmm. And you saw the same view. Closer, yeah. The skyline was just glistening and shimmering off the Hudson. It was yeah. it was a gorgeous approach. Yeah, it was beautiful. So um, my trip up was from DC seven thirty seven nine hundred. Sitting in the back. <laughs> the, the back, back, back. You know, we work for this airline, but I had to buy a revenue ticket just to make sure, you know, that's yeah. how bad it is. And we'll talk about our return trip, too. I'm the shift manager at this airport. What was nice about this flight is I got to see, from a customer perspective, how, how it is being a customer on a flight, like, during the shift that I work, mm-hmm. right? So I'm on this on the flight, and the captain comes on, makes an announcement that we're going to be holding the door open for a little bit to get some connecting customers. And then I'm concerned because I want to get to Newark, but the announcements were really good, and it was only about ten or fifteen minutes. One family got on, door was closed, boom, we're yeah. Out. 
So, you know, in the past, you would just leave on time. Mm-hmm. And that family would never get there. But waited, it does, didn't affect any of us because the connection times were still fine. Cause yeah. It's an hour and 45-minute block, but the flight itself is only 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we took off from Washington, like you said, beautiful day. Coming into Newark, we actually landed, you clarified, we landed on runway 29, mm-hmm. which is almost perpendicular, and for runway 29, you come in even closer alongside Manhattan, and yeah, yeah it was it was absolutely gorgeous. So um, if you follow us on Instagram, I have that video, the video, and some of our pictures on there, so go check it out. Yeah. Well, let's talk about runway 29. You landed on 29, we were on 22, and so that's a cross runway, yeah. and there's traffic coming in on 22 right, traffic coming in on 29, and I got to see that on the on the arrival. Yeah. We were three or four miles from the runway. There was a seven eight dash ten that was on two two right, clear for takeoff. They took off. There was a JetBlue A three twenty that was landing on two nine mm. on the cross runway, and the captain, uh, yeah, the FO was was one flying. So the captain was talking to ATC and asked if the spacing was good, mm-hmm. and ATC said, "Yep, if you keep your speed where it is, spacing will be fine." Yeah, and the captain had asked me even before we pushed back from the gate in Denver, or had said to me. Even though I'm not a triple seven pilot, I'm a safety observer. I'm a certified pilot. I'm mm, part part of the great. crew. If I see anything, speak up. And on approach, he said to me, "It's going to be busy coming in here. If you see anything, let us know." And yeah. so when when I saw that Jeff Blue touched down, and once I knew that it was clear of our runway, because I could tell that the the other pilots were pretty task saturated, mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, Jeff Blue is clear." The runway is clear, and, and the captain thanked me afterwards, and then I assisted with the taxi in as well. Yeah, just that's awesome. Trying to figure out where we were, where we were going. Well, so this brings up a good point. What you're talking about is CRM, crew resource management, mm-hmm. in action. So yeah. this captain is making, you're there, he's, he's adding you as a resource, mm-hmm. right? And we talk about the old days where the captain just decides everything and everyone, you know, remains silent, you know, because he knows everything, but this is the future or this is the, this is the present where he's going to use, that's a better leader because he's using his resources, including the jump seater. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually helped with uh, the crazy taxiing in Newark. Yeah. And I felt good about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Newark. So it's a destination. Newark is a destination. (laughs) (laughs) It's a destination. Before we move on, isn't that crazy how there's so little real estate in Newark? There's like planes left and right. Yeah. Ab geeks, you know, go to New York. A lot of eye candy constantly. I was like, my head was on a swivel. Oh yeah, there was a, a, a Lufthansa seven forty seven dash eight taxiing out as we landed. There was a Lufthansa eight three fifty landing. Fifty. What else was there? There was an there was LL seven eight. Um, Air left, India. Was it? Was that there on Monday night? It definitely was there on Tuesday when we left. I, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Lots of lots of seven eights, lots of triple sevens, yeah. and anything in between. A, ERJ-145 and a 777-300. Yeah. When you're there, you start to realize why there's so many ATC issues because there's literally no concrete. The footprint is tiny. It's tiny, and that's why we have these ground stops going to Newark because mm-hmm. you just can't. There's not enough space to bring planes in. Yeah. Should we um, talk about Elizabeth, New Jersey? <laughs> the Charleston so, of the North? <laughs> yeah, so here's your destination uh, guide for Elizabeth. So we keep talking about Elizabeth and joking about it. Elizabeth is a tiny, nondescript little city. Newark Airport actually sits in Newark and Elizabeth. Yeah. So it straddles both. <laughs> we actually didn't go to Elizabeth. We did go We did go out 
in New Jersey in a district called Ironbound. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? I thought it was nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, having lived in New Jersey for five and a half years, I never spent any time in Newark other than driving through to get to the city or being at the airport. Mm-hmm. And you always... There, I apologize if we have Newark listeners. Newark always gets a bad rap of, of being not <laughs> New York City, right. of being a little bit more run down than New York. Now, there's some great neighborhoods. I have friends who live in Newark proper, but yeah. like west of downtown and mm-hmm. suburbia. It was nice. Like It, it mm-hmm. seemed relatively new, or, or the buildings had been redone. The restaurant was really nice. We sat outside on the patio. Yeah, it was like 9 or 10 o'clock, and mm-hmm. were, people were still out. And this uh, district, it has uh, a bunch of Spanish and Portuguese restaurants. And we had some Portuguese food, which was delicious. Yeah, you had some awesome seafood paella. Yeah. So you guys are probably thinking, why wouldn't you just go to Manhattan, which is like a 20-minute train ride? Because we've been. We've been. Yeah. <clears throat> we've been. I have never been to Newark. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I really enjoyed that. And I would recommend, if you're on a short layover, head into that district. It's called the Ironbound District. It's walkable. Lots of restaurants. Yeah, it was, what, on. a 10-minute Uber? From, yeah. from the hotel, yeah. I think. It yeah. wasn't bad at all. It wasn't bad. All right, so we got back. It was about midnight. We got back to the hotel, and we're going to talk about this story. This is kind of the going to be the theme of this mm-hmm. episode, I feel like. And we didn't quite know it yet at the time that this was going on. But we got back to the hotel at midnight, and there was a spirit crew that was waiting for a shuttle somewhere. Yeah, yeah. and we're like, where are they going at night? There's no westbound red eyes yeah there's there's I, if they were at the hotel at midnight that means their flight probably was at one o'clock in the morning where were they going mm-hmm. we looked on flight flight away right. and there was no spirit flight that we could find until five o'clock that next morning so it definitely was not that crew well so they were probably i mean we're we're surmising this but we're thinking that maybe they were helping reposition a plane mm-hmm. um and then we're going to talk about this spirit american and you know, all the airlines are going through lots of struggles right now with weather issues, crew issues. So we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in just a minute. Non-revving. Yeah. <laughs> so this, <laughs> yeah. we're laughing because I, you should probably insert like what you said last week. So in I think, clip. yeah. And we've gotten a lot of feedback. Friends <laughs> of the show have texted and sent messages saying, like, right. hey, Doug, you, you were wrong on this. <laughs> so Doug goes, because uh, we're planning this trip. And he said, yeah, we should be fine going to L.A. It's, it's a 787-10, and there's 100 seats open, and it's a Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but having said that, even I thought, yeah, there's nothing to worry about. But I've all I've seen it go bad a lot. And uh, what happened? Yeah, we showed up at the – well, actually, it was the night before. Init- okay, let, let's actually back up. Initially, it was a 76-300. Right. And it was close to oversold. We were like, we probably still will get on. And then the day prior, it switched to a 78-10. And the right. seat load went up 100-plus seats. It was like 130 open seats. And even you said, like, yeah, we definitely will get on this. Yeah, time. we scored. We woke up on Tuesday morning, and it was almost oversold. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of extra listings, pe- people listing for the flight. Mm-hmm. And we're like, initially a week ago, we thought we would get business. And then we thought we would get premium economy. And then we're like, we may not even get on. And if we do, it's going to be a middle seat, last row, something like that. Right. So we're looking at, we're like, what else are we going to do if we can't get on this airplane? <laughs> well, let's take a step back. What was the reason our flight changed from a 767 to a 78? Because, because of a crew shortage. Crew shortage. And, you know, good on the airline for finding a solution, mm-hmm. which was actually better for us, right? But even that filled up. 
because of the situations going on with uh, the, uh, these other two airlines, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we get to the club, and we're like, all right, we're, we're looking at the at the list, and seats are getting picked off one by one. Like, uh-huh. every five minutes, there are two or three less seats. And so we said, okay, we have to divide and conquer. We have to get a backup <laughs> plan. Where are we going to go? We walked up to the, this is awesome. We walked up to the board, uh-huh. the departures board, and Drew's like, "Hey, I'm gonna start with Albany. You start with Traverse Seattle City or, or Traverse City, Michigan, <laughs> and we're gonna work our way back to the middle." But, but even <clears throat> before we left the hotel, I pulled up what we call SSD, which has all the Newark departures, yeah. right? And I think I was reading off to you. It's like, all right, let's look at the load factors and try and find something. And it was. 99%, 104% load factor, 103%, 102 It's yeah. like, you've got to be kidding me. It's Tuesday. Yeah. What is going on? At, at this point, we didn't know. So see, now it's not just me. Now you are surprised by by the loads. Oh, yeah. It, this is like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, I mean, for every single flight. It was crazy. So we, we worked our way. Drew worked his way from Albany. I worked my way from Traverse City. Every single flight we looked at, and we're doing Newark to X, Newark <laughs> to Y, Newark to Z all oversold until we found one, <laughs> which is where we are right now. Well, do we tell them now? Uh, well, I must. Yeah, we might as well. Well, we actually asked you guys, and thank you for those of you that responded to the poll on Twitter. And even the people, we said we had 20 minutes, make a decision, and people are still voting last night after we got to this destination. Right. All right, keep talking. So let me put up, pull up the poll real quick. Yeah. So we, we put it out. We said, do we want a middle seat? if we can get it on a 7-8 in economy to LA or I found an open there there was only one person on this ERJ 170 in first class mm-hmm. meaning there were five open seats to where we are right now which where are we we are in uh it, yeah, you have to think Myrtle about Beach, it. Myrtle Beach, <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, so what yeah, we asked you um not a problem 911. <laughs> Doug and I were planning to go to Los Angeles, but it may be full. Our backup is uh, MYR, which is um, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> what would you do? 20 minutes, and then it was fast. I mean, we got a lot of hits. How it turned out is you said, so the choices were LAX 787-10, middle seats, or Myrtle Beach in an Embraer 170 in first class, and it was 62% said go to Myrtle Beach, mm-hmm. which is surprising because I thought, you know, I would think AvGeeks would just take a 787-10 any seat yeah. just because it's a 787-10. Yeah. Well, we we, we probably would have gotten on the 78, I, I think. But we, we said, listen, we, we've gone to L.A. three, what, three, four times now. Yeah, I'm we, going neither of us Neither of us have been to Myrtle Beach. Right. So we said, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, and we got first class seats. It was a great flight. But then what's our pro tip? Yeah, Yeah. so don't just jump on a flight because it has open seats in any cabin. We didn't look at the weather for for Myrtle Beach, (laughs) and it was like the worst flooding in 25 years here. It was there, Katrina. It was there, yeah. Like, we we were in an Uber to lunch, and the streets literally were flooded, and Mm -hmm. the Uber driver was like, I have never (laughs) seen Myrtle Beach like this, and then we're like, this is great. This is great. We we went swimming in the ocean and it was in a, a thunderstorm. Yeah, basically in a thunderstorm. <laughs> the waves were nuts. It, it was, was great. Pouring down rain. <laughs> um, we got a Frontier A three twenty Neo landing. Yeah, Fort Myers, Myrtle Beach, Fort Myers. Let's talk about Fort Myers. So you guys, I mean, it was so random that we chose this place for the longest time. I w- I forgot where we were, and I kept saying Fort Myers because it's M Y R. 
So I'm thinking Fort Myers, but we're in Myrtle Beach, which actually is beautiful. Um, we had a good time. Between rain showers, we were walking on the boardwalk. We, mm-hmm. walk, we went to the beach. Yeah. We went out. We had a really nice time. Do we want to talk about why we were in this situation? This is like a non-road. Hashtag not uh, non-rent problems, but yeah, the situation. We we did. We we learned why we were struggling to find any flights with seats on them. With traffic rising so quickly, staffing issues, and summer weather ear ops, Dallas got hammered on Sunday. Lots of flights were canceled, and I started to see that out of Sacramento. A couple of the Dallas flights on Monday morning were canceled, yeah. likely because the crew couldn't get in the night before, staffing issues, etc., and and our Uber drivers yesterday were talking about we're we're, we're going to talk about this article here for yeah. a minute. The Uber drivers, we were asking them because we took several Ubers. And yeah. they, were, they were saying passengers, passengers are ranting, are, are about, ranting what's about what's going on. Uh, the one last night, he said his daughter was coming in from Dallas on American. And it was delayed two hours at that point. We, oh my God. We, I think we said we were going to look and see if she made it in. We forgot to do, <laughs> forgot to do that, so we apologize. But here's here's the article. What What is it, Drew? Yeah, so two uh, carriers, and you know, we're going to mention these two carriers, but it could happen to the carrier we work for, the carrier you work for, because just times are tough in terms of staffing, weather issues, uh, even the fuel that mm-hmm. we talked about last week. This story is from CNBC. It's American Airlines and Spirit Airlines cancel hundreds of additional flights as they struggle to recover from disruptions. So this is what you know turned our trip um, upside, down. upside down. Two U.S. carriers, so one main, so it's basically one major and one low fare. They faced hundreds of cancellations since Monday as uh, they recover from severe thunderstorms and staffing constraints. There were close to 3,000 American airline flights canceled or delayed between Sunday when thunderstorms struck in Dallas-Fort Worth. That was on Monday, and they're still cleaning up for they're it. They're still cleaning up. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, Nate, one of our listeners and a good friend, he was getting a text from a friend who was sitting in Dallas mm-hmm. trying to figure out what was going on. Nothing, nothing blaming American. When you shut down a hub for like nine hours, yeah. it's not going to be pretty. I work at a hub for another airline, and as you know from my stories, we have had to shut down. Mm-hmm. It's it's It can take days to yeah. recover from that, and, and that's what's going it's on. It's not just that hub that gets affected. It's the entire network, not just at that airline, at other airlines, because people have... They have to get where they're going, so they end up buying tickets on Delta, United, Southwest. So it messes up the entire com- commercial aviation system. Yeah. And, you know, you might say, well, why don't they just run extra flights the next day? There's a full schedule the next day, too, plus mm-hmm. all these people. So sometimes the best way to do it, unfortunately, is just to cancel everything and have a reset where you start the next day and you try and get the people out as best as you can. Yeah. If you have any extra planes or crews, you put on extra sections. That's, that's what we do. But these days, that's not that's not easy to add extra planes or extra crew because you just don't have them. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about our plane being changed to a 787 because there were no 767 crews. Spirit Airlines canceled half of its schedule, which is about 350 flights, on Tuesday, according to FlightAware, on top of about 500 flights between Sunday and Monday. Uh, seven United Airlines flights and five JetBlue Airways flights were canceled on Tuesday, so they were affected also because those two airlines fly to Dallas and mm-hmm. you know other cities there. Um, airlines struggling to keep up with the rise in demand. The Transportation Security Administration on Sunday screened 2.24 million people, the most since February 28th, 2020. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Guys and, and girls, I know it's frustrating. I, I've been there. We're actually in the middle of this right now. We're going to yeah. talk about how we're trying we're to get, get home, home right? today. It's frustrating, but don't please don't take it out on the airline employees. Don't take it out on the airline this I, I, I know airlines probably 
could have done a... How do I say this? (laughs) COVID was tough. And we talked about this actually last night over drinks. We were talking about how a year ago we were talking about the different airlines and their approaches to COVID. Right. And that everyone did something a a little bit different or substantially different. And we wouldn't know what the right answer was while they were trying to cut costs until probably now or or later on. Well, because literally no one knew where COVID was going. No. But some airlines bet that it would we'd recover quickly, mm-hmm. and those carriers did better. But having said that, if if we didn't recover from COVID as fast, it could have been disastrous for those airlines yeah. that went big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that tried to keep all the pilots and, and crew on the books mm-hmm. and, and kept more people around. Yeah. So how are we getting home? Today? <laughs> well, for me, for me, it's easy. So I just bought a revenue ticket. And a lot of non-revs are now buying revenue tickets just to get home. Thankfully, the company we work for, we get a good discount, so it's not as bad. But this is this is our situation right now. As a non-rev, um, <laughs> Myrtle Beach, where we are, you wouldn't think that it would be tough to get out of Myrtle Beach. Right? Yeah, it's not a big... No, no, it wasn't tough to get in, so we figured right. it wouldn't be tough to get out. Yeah, but these cancellations that these other carriers are still affecting it. So we're looking at our flights. And yesterday, I just knew there were seats on the flight. There were like three or four seats on the flight back to D.C. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no way. That's going to fill up. So I just bought a ticket. It wasn't very expensive. So I'm definitely getting home. It's a CRJ 200. It'll get me from point A to B. Yeah. So I just want to get home. Mine's a little bit more difficult. I, I, I'm on my jump seat rides, and I'm afraid that I can't even get jump seats because – Pilots from different airlines can jump seat on a, an airline not their own, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. And yeah. so I'm afraid that I won't get home tonight even getting the jump seat because the loads are so bad. The pilots are trying to get all over the place, and, and it's a, a real mess. So I bought a uh, an employee discount ticket out of Cleveland. So <laughs> I, I have to get to Cleveland today. Yeah. And when I looked yesterday... There were uh, what was it, eighteen seats open on the flight from on, here on to the Cleveland. flight from here to Cleveland, and I thought I was going to be safe to get to Cleveland. And we looked this morning, and it's oversold by one seat. I am shocked. I, I really didn't think from here to Cleveland would fill up because this is one of those weird routings that point, this airline. It's a point. Yeah, yeah, it's a point. So this is a network carrier, but this is like a weird point to point. In this new plane, the CRJ 550, mm-hmm. that they're you know finding markets for this, the airline doesn't even have a hub in Cleveland. No. So I'm wondering, they're, they're probably using all kinds of creative routings to get people from here. You know, well we we talked about this yes. last spring that that airlines were launching these vacation destinations. Mm-hmm. I, I think what what do we say South or not Southwest, but uh, I think United and American were flying from like Milwaukee to Myrtle Beach, right. and Milwaukee exactly. to Fort Cleveland, Myers, Cleveland to Myrtle Beach, Cleveland to Myrtle Beach. All the <laughs> all these routes that in pre COVID times would make absolutely no sense. Yeah, yeah. So these majors are getting into the point to point business and seemingly doing pretty well. Yeah, but uh, you know, I talk about getting people. You're being creative. What was uh, one of our connecting options to get to LAX? Which yesterday? we should have done it, but the the problem was the flight left really early. It was it wasn't Kalispell. It was Bozeman, <laughs> Bozeman, Montana, as a connecting city to go to LAX. To, to go to LA, there were like forty two open seats, and we would yeah. have we would have gotten to LA via Bozeman if yeah. if we really wanted to, wanted to do that. 
All right, so um, we're going to end this segment because we're going to come back on this same show and you guys will hear how it all played out because we're about to go to Myrtle Beach Airport. I'm going to get on my flight for sure unless there's some kind of, you know, other issue other than flight bookings. Yeah, and I'm checking the standby list right now. Oh, um, uh, yeah, Doug is checking the standby list still. I, I was going to non-rev, and I, I thought that I might get first on the CRJ 550 because of the yesterday, oh. how many seats were open, but now that it's oversold, I... Stop that and listen for the jump seat. Right now, it still is oversold by one. I am listed for the jump seat. I'm the only one. We'll see. Well, Drew, the last time I talked to you, we were sitting at our hotel room in where? Where were we again? <laughs> Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. <laughs> well, <laughs> I kept we, telling myself over and over before this episode. I know. I, I know. We we made it back, but it wasn't pretty. We'll we'll talk about our return flights here in a sec. But this is we, we recorded last on Wednesday, and we were talking about Spirit and their their issues true it didn't get better it's continuing i know and is it really still weather issues we don't know what because the the weather has kind of calmed down yeah the the ceo came out and and spoke on thursday or friday i think it was and so after wednesday they they still canceled over 50 percent of their schedule both thursday and friday what what the ceo said was this was something that had been coming for a long time uh-huh. based on their July schedule. Pilots and okay. flight attendants time out after X number of hours over a 30-day period. And so what happened was they ran the operation hard in July. And starting in August, they had crews that were beginning to time out. And think of it like a domino, right? You have a crew that's supposed to fly Myrtle Beach to Detroit, and they time out. Now you have an airplane that's stuck in Myrtle Beach without a crew. That airplane was supposed to go to Detroit which right. then was supposed to turn to go to Vegas. So now you have an airplane that's out of where it needs to be. Yeah. And without slopping the system, then another crew times out, then another crew. And it's just this, this domino effect. Well, like, like we always talk about, all the airlines are running it hard. And maybe this one ran in a little too hard where they were even with, you know, weather being okay, mm-hmm. they're going to be all right. But then you just take one really bad weather event and, then and it mess, messes your, up the entire system. Exactly. Then you, yeah. then you were stretched, stretched thin to begin with, and the weather yeah. put you over. Drew, my guess is when they built a schedule in late June or early July, they had weather as a factor in there, but they weren't expecting a nine-hour closure of Dallas. Exactly. They, may, they may have said one or two hours and we'll be okay. No one expected that. And that was the trigger for this entire event. Yeah, it's amazing that, you know, one bad event could set them back so far. But like you said, if they were short on hours to begin with, now it's going to take days to recover. And also with the weather, the crews are all over the place. So you mm-hmm. also have to get them back to wherever they need to be. We all know there's very few seats going anywhere. So that's a problem too. Yeah. And I think on Wednesday, we mentioned that this could hurt Spirit going forward from like a, a passenger standpoint saying, uh, I don't know if I want to fly Spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you saw what Cranky Flyer said on one of the articles this week. He was interviewed, I think, by CNN or CNBC. And yeah. he said, yeah, uh, passengers have a very short-term memory. You throw another $19 fare at them, and they'll quickly forget all about this meltdown. Yeah, and about that, Doug, I got a story for you from when I worked at, in San Jose for Reno Air. So we yeah. were a low-fare airline, and we worked next to another much larger low-fare airline. And I remember a customer coming up to the counter and t- and telling the agent, I have completely lost respect for this airline today. You have delayed me so many times. And the girl goes, 
I lost respect for you when you walked up with your $39 ticket. Because <laughs> 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 this airline, they stated, they stated, hey, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. We'll see you when, when we have our next fair sale. <laughs> <laughs> you can guess which airline. <laughs> Imagine if they said that today. Oh, my goodness. Twitter would explode. It would explode. I mean, yeah, that, that would break the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's good you shouldn't be telling your customers that <laughs> if they sold her you know they sold her that ticket oh man that price, it's not like she stole it <laughs> that is so funny all right well we we got caught up in the spirit mess getting home yeah but we got out and uh how much do you want to share about your trip back <laughs> it was kind of rocky but it you was, made it yeah it was it was very rocky it, it was not i think i mentioned that i was supposed to go to cleveland and then i had a uh discount ticket a revenue ticket out of cleveland through houston mm -hmm. i didn't go to cleveland i didn't go to houston <laughs> i didn't leave an hour before your flight like yeah. i thought i did yeah there, it was just this comedy of errors i ended up not getting on the cleveland flight um and then i left like two hours after you i was able to jump seat to chicago and then back to sacramento i, I got home a little bit a little bit later than what yeah. i was supposed to but i made it home and then i saw you uh you got your uh, standard issue chicken and rice again I did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because uh, on, on the earlier part of this episode, when I was talking about how the pilots didn't get the dinner and you said, well, maybe they're tired of the, the same chicken and rice. I got the, I got the same chicken and rice a day later. <laughs> so can you imagine like every time you fly, you'd probably be like, no, I'm good. I'll eat. <laughs> You'll bring back your, uh, your last work lunch which is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and an apple it's like oh, yeah i'll just have this yeah uh <laughs> one thing i i just i do want to mention though from that the chicago flight it was crazy to see o'hare I, I really wanted to get to o'hare on my jump sea rides just to see the operation o'hare i to me is like this big scary crazy um airport it's got eight runways yeah. eight runways drew it's yeah consistently under construction we landed on 10 right. So guys, pull up a map, take a look at this. 10 right is literally a five mile taxi to get to the gate. It took oh it took 25 minutes for us to taxi to the gate. Yeah. And it's probably way too complicated for each airline to choose the specific runway that's close to their gate. Yeah. Right? It's just too much. It, yeah, it's it's just whatever ATC gives you. Yeah. Because I know LAX, I think LAX does a good job, like if you're flying on Delta, we see the Delta planes landing on, on the north side. side of the mm -hmm. yeah on the north north side. My trip back was uneventful because the night before I saw the loads filling up, and I'm like, I'm not playing this game. I am not playing this game. So I just bought my discount seventy eight dollar ticket, and thank goodness because remember we were pulling up fares. I had a coworker who was there, you know, yeah. acting like what's going on, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you're not getting on this flight. <laughs> Every flight is full right now. And we were checking fares for him. Yeah, it was like sixteen hundred bucks or something. Sixteen hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, it, it, the fares were crazy high. So I can tell you, our airline probably made a killing on uh, on selling these seats for these mm -hmm. other, you know, to these other customers from these other airlines. But it seemed like everyone was getting out eventually. I actually flew one of your uh, not preferred airplanes back home. It was a CRJ 200. Gross. <laughs> it was not gross. It was getting me home. The cabin was refurbished, so I had a fresh cabin. I was sitting in row two. Mm -hmm. It was nice. It was so quiet. It was really quiet. So 
I'm you, Doug I'm is looking at me like I don't care. I don't. I'm, care. I'm happy for. I'm happy for you, Drew. <laughs> no, it's funny because Drew was trying to convince me after the Cleveland flight left uh, without me. Drew was trying to convince me to jump seat jump with seat. him up to Dulles and then just hop on the Dulles Sacramento flight. Yeah, and I, I said mm-hmm. I'm not doing that for two reasons. I don't want to jump seat on a CRJ 200, and I also don't want to be stuck in the jump seat on a six hour transcon in a 737 yeah this i'm really wondering how a jump seat fits in the flight deck of a crj 200 yeah. i don't know if it's humanly possible I, I looked at that i don't know if it hangs from you know it's probably like the 737 that hangs from the the doorway okay mm-hmm. yeah that's probably what it is yeah all right um let's, let's get some get some work done we i i think we've talked about this myrtle beach trip to I death think- well, I think you're officially broken in. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, let's get back on track and uh, let's get some work done, as you say. Yeah. All right. This this article is from Business Insider. It says United is the first U.S. airline to require all employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. This is from our, our buddy Tom Polini, who's been on the show. All U.S.-based employees required to get vaccinated by October 25th. Rival U.S. airlines have opted against mandating vaccines for existing employees. One really clear fact has emerged, which is the best way to protect people from COVID-19 is to get vaccinated, Josh Ernest, United's Chief Communications Officer, said in a media briefing. Delta has required new hires to be vaccinated since May, as has United since, uh, I believe, July, mid, yeah. mid-July. American will award a day off with pay for those vaccinated by August 31st. United employees will also receive a day off with pay. 90% of United's pilots and 80% of the flight attendants are already vaccinated. So this is mainly for some of the other groups of employees, I would say. I am impressed that 90% of the pilots are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by that number. So yeah, me too. it seems like at this carrier, there's very little resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with leadership because I believe all the officers were vaccinated and they made a big show of that. You know, So they're taking the lead in the front offices, you know, in the, in the corporate offices. Yeah. You know, so they're showing a good example. I think the press release said that 100% of the company officers have been vaccinated. So leadership, leadership from the top. Yeah. I I know. And this is, this is probably going to raise a lot of ruffle, a lot of feathers that this company is, is going this direction, Yeah, but there were, uh, I guess they're standing behind, it was an appellate court. I'm not sure where, Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it, it's made it to the Supreme Court yet. Okay. But there was an appellate court ruling saying that private companies, e- even though United's publicly traded, it's it's right. not the government, so it's a private entity. Yeah. That they that they can choose to mandate this, and it yeah. was it was upheld. So it as it stands now, it's it's legal. Yeah, and just looking at the buzz on social media from civilians, from non-airline people, just commenting. It's almost 100% positive. And mm-hmm. some people have even gone one step further and said, great job, United. Maybe you can also ask your passengers to be vaccinated. Yeah. That's going to be a stretch. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I can't see it ever going that direction. But yeah, that would be too much of a stretch. But immediately after, so this was yesterday, Doug. So I don't know if it was today or also yesterday, Frontier came out and said they want all of their employees vaccinated by the 1st of October. And if they're not, they need to prove that they're negative they need to have regular tests mm-hmm. and um this is not unheard of in the airlines emirates singapore and etihad 100 percent of their crews are vaccinated mm-hmm. it's a good thing you know they're they're doing what's right for their co-workers and for the passengers mm-hmm. yeah and i don't the 
we are saying 99% of the people that are dying from COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Yeah. So the writing's on the wall, you know, that's, that's proof that it is working for all those people to think that think it may not be sure if it's effective or not. Yeah. Well, and, and with the Delta variant now, the, the vaccination rates are actually starting to tick back up. And so people, yeah, people who right. had hesitancy at first for whatever reason, and there are a myriad of reasons we're, we're not going to get political on, mm-hmm. on the show, but for whatever, you know, wh- whatever reason people had now, it seems like they're starting to, to get back and, and get the jab as, as yeah. the Brits call it. Exactly. And I've, I've had coworkers that were hesitant to get it, but they said if the company required it, they would get it. So mm-hmm. corporate America is also helping push people to get it. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. I think whatever is proven to keep employees and customers safe is a good thing. Speaking of customers, this show is about our customers, our listeners. And our main topic is from a close friend and listener, Greg. You can find him on at G-P-E-T-E-L-E-X. Greg is a big fan of TurboFans. Uh, haha, I'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> that, that forced, so Sorry. Humor. <laughs> uh, he sent us a story from General Electric. Sorry, fringe ad geeks, but we're going to take you in the weeds. But to avoid losing 90% of you, we will keep it brief. Let's deep dive the CF6 engine, Doug. All right, engine talk. This is this Greg sent us this article. It says GE Aviation celebrates 50 years of service with the CF6 engine. GE CF6 engine was their first on commercial aircraft, building on the technology of the TF39 military engine. In 1971, GE CF6-6 high bypass turbofan engine entered service on the DC10-10. On August 5th, 2021, GE Aviation celebrated its 50th anniversary of revenue service with the CF6 wide-body jet engine family, which to date has accumulated more than 460 million engine flight hours. Crazy. That that is nuts. I I we need to do the math on that and figure out how many how many how centuries many hours, right? how many mm-hmm. centuries that is. Prior to commercial introduction, the CF6 was based on the TF39. It's the first high bypass turbofan engine the GE developed in the mid 1960s. And it started out on the Air Force's Lockheed Martin C5 Galaxy. The C5s have been re-engined with the CF6-80 C2 version. That's amazing. And then, you know, we're going to talk about these versions. The first one was the CF6-6. And then the current version that they still have on 767s is the CF6-80 C2. So that's the one you will see at the airport. Uh, CF The CF. 6-6, the first one, flew on the DC-1010 in 1971. It only had 40,000 pounds of thrust. 50 years later, 8,500 CF-6s have been delivered. In the 1980s, the CF-6-80 versions on the 767 and A300 received 138-minute ETOPS approvals to fly transoceanic. That was a big deal back then, though. That was huge. 138 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then now they can fly to Europe. And yeah. you saw all these twin jets flying across the Atlantic. For 20 years, the CF-6-80 has been powering Air Force One, so four CF-6-80s. In 2009, the A330 powered um, by the CF-6-80 was the first to receive EASA approval for 180-minute flights on two engines. Mm -hmm. Now you can go over the Pacific. You can almost go anywhere with two engines, um, and a lot of times they're CF-6s. The CF-6 program has powered 10 aircraft types, and currently powers 68% of wide-body cargo aircraft. The CF6-80C2 is still being produced for the 767 freighter. As of June 2021, 
all CF6-6 engines, which is the first version, uh, are retired with one reaching over 49 years of service. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that that one engine being in service for 49 years shows why these airplanes were able to get that ETOPS certification because these yeah. these have proved to be such good engines. Drew, I, I have 10 years of flying with the CF6. I know. Yeah, you've been riding those for most of your career. For most of my career. Yeah, because they're, they're on the KC-10. All right, now, I, is that the Dash EC2? Or is it um, six? It's a dash six. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I just did the math. Twenty one thousand years. Oh my god! So that that four hundred. Uh, let me let me scroll up here. What was it? Four hundred sixty million engine flight hours equates to twenty one thousand years. Oh my goodness! It is the amount of time these engines have been in service? Yeah, and j- just this yesterday or the day before i was just driving to the to our hangar and we have to go past the cargo facility mm-hmm. and i sent you a picture of an a300 600 with fedex mm-hmm. cf6 engines yep and then right beyond that uh ups md11 cf6 engines mm-hmm. and then i saw a 767 land i couldn't get close enough to confirm <clears throat> those fedex i believe those were newer cf6-80 c2 engines mm-hmm. just to give everyone you know if you think back just to visualize it when the 747s, when you were watching those in the 90s, you would see, or even before that, so the first engines on the 747s were the JT-9Ds, Pratt & Whitney mm-hmm. JT-9Ds. So you had those, if you can imagine a Pan Am plane, that's what they, they had. Lufthansa, their 747s had the CF-6-80. And it looks very similar to how it looks, well, it's the same as you had on your DC-10. Mm-hmm. And one of the features you pointed it out it's more round where the cowling goes across and it's it's a little bit thicker mm-hmm. whereas the jt90s had a smaller cowling and then you had the rolls-royce rb211 which was the third engine that the wide bodies used and those were narrower and longer, longer and, like and barrel, you know yeah now a, a, a question might come up okay if you compare the look of an engine on a 767 to say dc10 yeah, it, it doesn't look the same, but how is it the same engine? It's all the cowling. It's the cowling. It's the cowling, which is what holds the engine in place. And it's if you think about the DC-10, the number two engine, which is the tail engine, looks like it's a completely different engine because it's longer mm-hmm. and, and skinnier. Yeah, no, it's that that's just the cowling The hey. these these engines are all the same. It's just what, whatever the aerodynamics are of the design of the cowling may make them look a little bit different. Well, here's another example on the A330-300, they have the Trent and some of them have the uh, Trent 800 engines Mm -hmm. and they're round. But on the A330, the cowling is flattened on the bottom just to give it some ground clearance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it depends on the aircraft. The cowling is designed to fit the aircraft, you know, whatever proportions the aircraft has to make it work. Yeah. Well, hopefully we didn't get too far in the weeds on this. I, I, I don't think we did because we turned it into more of an, an av geek focus. We're not talking about fan blades and stages and, and things like that. No, and we, we can. I mean, so we'll yeah, see. It, yeah, ho- yeah. Ho- hopefully this is deep enough for Greg. Yeah, I mean, for Greg, that was no, for Greg, that wasn't deep enough. Greg used to actually work on these CF6-80 engines. So I asked him when we do an engine episode, like we'll do all about engines. We'll have Greg on as a, an expert. Yeah, we, so, we can maybe maybe do that when the 777-X 
center service. Yeah, good idea. Because that's that's when the GE ninety X engine, which is the most powerful engine that'll be in service, will will actually enter service. Well, let's make um, let's let's make a little note there. So the first CF six sixes, same company, General Electric, forty thousand pounds of thrust. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the newest GE ninety engines have a hundred. 115,000 pounds of thrust in the current GE90 engines, right? I think you can and get up to 120 on, on the 777 uh, 200LRs. <laughs> okay, so just think about that. Three times the amount of power as the original CF6 mm-hmm. in one engine is <laughs> totally overpowered. And this is why I'm, I'm going to step back to an episode we did several months ago where I was on a 777-300 with GE90 engines, mm-hmm. and we were taken off from SFO's shorter runway. We hardly used 75% of that runway, and it was like a smooth takeoff. It was, the plane wasn't heavy. Yeah. It was a domestic wide body, but still, that it was so overpowered. Yeah. Well, do, do you remember what, what my buddy Joe said after that episode? Yeah, yeah that, they don't even use... Yeah, go well, ahead. They, they derated the thrust on that takeoff, and then when they got to climb power, normally it steps the thrust back but on that mm-hmm. particular flight, when you go to climb power, it actually increases the thrust. <laughs> so the takeoff was less thrust than what the climb was. Yeah, that's crazy. I that I, I couldn't even believe that. So Joe, thanks for that. Um, thanks for that tidbit. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for a great topic, Greg. And thanks to our listeners for entertaining us, letting us get into the nuts and bolts and fan blades of aviation. Drew, we received some input from one of our listeners that I would say isn't exactly positive and it, no. it might even border on a fake fight. What what's <laughs> what what do we get? So this is from uh, one of our one of our longtime listeners, Martin Hammer. He's in uh, Switzerland. He said, liked the episode overall, but when it comes to aircraft specific taste, one clearly sees you are American. In my opinion, every single Airbus plane, A318 debatable, is better looking <laughs> than <laughs> So he agrees. Yeah. Um, is better looking than any Boeing aircraft, except maybe for the Boeing 787. But honestly, that one got tons of other problems. <laughs> and then I said, or we said on our account, we said, oh, oh, fake fight coming up on this, uh, this topic. You just wait till Monday. <laughs> and then he said, oh, looking forward to it. I guess I better not mention that I consider the old 747 plain ugly. ugly. <laughs> I got to stop. Can you believe that? I mean, we're going to come back to that. But thanks to the new wing de- design, engines, and longer upper deck, the Dash 8 is quite okay. Really? <laughs> quite, quite okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but the top three, the Avro RJ100, A220, and A350, those are his top three. And then he said, enjoy New York. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, where do we start on this? <laughs> let's start on the first tweet. So he said, uh, every Airbus plane is better looking than any Boeing aircraft. I don't know. I don't think the A300 was a great looking plane. No. I mean, compared to the 757, 767? No, I, I agree. Let's, let's go to contemporary, though. Uh, okay. A321 versus uh, 757. Oh, because they're they're about the same type airplane, if you will. The A three twenty one just looks stubby. Like the nose looks stubby. It doesn't look very aerodynamic. 
here's here's where I think it improved when they went away from those little winglets and now the the planes with the sharklets that they're called yes, that is better like if better. like if you look at a, a lot of Americans A321s that they got from US Airways still have those short little winglets mm-hmm. the, that's the, the wing plane, that's something called wing fences yeah the the plane just doesn't look proportional I, I don't think it's as good of looking as the 757 Jumping ahead to his second tweet, though, the A350 is a great-looking plane. I'll, I'll give him that. It is. Yeah, I have no complaints about the A350. I, the Avro RJ100 is the BAE 146. It's that, that's the new name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everyone knows I love that. And then the A2, he likes the A220. I think it's weird, but that's one of the planes that's growing on us. But I don't... So, the airline that he flies for flies 777s. Mm-hmm. So, I think he has some deep-seated hate for the 747 because they don't have it yeah I, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a jealousy thing and to say the old is plain ugly martin that's our logo that's the next trip podcast logo yeah <laughs> and if we took a poll you know of our listeners that would by far be the most i think it has i think we have done a poll mm-hmm. what's the most iconic aircraft it is the 747-400 right yeah. i would say that we all love. So um, we can agree to disagree, but <laughs> I love the engagement and I love that um, he got a, a rise out of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Th- thanks for listening, Martin. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the fun. Uh, anyone else who, who wants to create a fake fight, let us know, send us some info and we'll, we'll debate. You'll be wrong with whatever you say, but, but we'll, we'll, and we'll prove it and we'll prove it, but, but we will, we will, and entertain you so send, send us some info <laughs> aside from that though we, we do have to talk about martin we, we've had your friend matt on the show and yes. looking at their pictures this I'm is the same person pretty sure they are the, the exact same person yeah yeah you guys <laughs> we're looking at i i just had to to clip these pictures on here for uh for doug martin hammer who's one of our listeners in europe and my friend matt who's been on the show twice they look exactly the same and yeah. it seems like they're both as as cynical right? <laughs> <laughs> we should have them both on and have a rant off and they can just go at it and we'll just referee yeah. <laughs> well speaking of matt and martin the same person i guess we, person. yeah we we've got another matt rant again matt's been on the show he rants about lots of things he said that he was yelling during our fuel tankering segment last week. He said the Transcon tankering round trip idea was crazy, as is tankering in general. Right. We did some calculations just now. It may not be possible. We're just looking at a 787 as an example from San Francisco to New York and return. It may not be possible based on the maximum landing weight, mm-hmm. but that's going to be our homework. You know, We can talk to one of our dispatchers and ask them if, if it is feasible. The maximum landing weight is 560,000. The zero fuel weight is 400,000. That's 160,000 pounds of fuel, just doing a simple, right? So 80,000 pounds each way should be adequate for a transcon, but then using just half of that would still be over the maximum landing weight of uh, 425,000. So we're going to do some research. Okay, 425. Initially, you said 525. So wait, so 425,000 is the maximum landing weight? 425,000 is the maximum landing weight okay. of the 787-9. Yeah. The maximum takeoff weight is 560,000. So that's a hundred and about 140,000 um, pounds if you just subtract that. Yeah. 
yeah, it, so, it may not be possible. It may not be possible. <clears throat> the plane definitely can carry that much fuel. It can mm -hmm. definitely carry enough fuel to go to New York, New York and come back. These plane, I mean, you you measure gas by hours. Mm -hmm. By so time, it is by time. So it is five hours to the East Coast, and it's about five, about five hours back. That's only ten hours of fuel. That's that's a breeze for a seven eight seven that can fly for seventeen eighteen hours. Mm -hmm. So the critical factor here is that landing weight. Can it take a round trip uh, load of fuel and be able to land at Newark less than 425,000 pounds? So we will we'll check on that. Yeah. Well, Matt said that he thinks that tankering is crazy in general. And I think we've got some info from the BBC on this, right? Yeah, we do have. So the BBC did a report on this and it was it was from a climate change perspective. Is tankering the, the right thing to do? Right. And this is what they found. Um, so the name of article is Climate Change British Airways Reviews Fuel Tankering Over Climate Concerns. A major UK airline was tankering fuel from its hub to save money. The company, like many airlines in Europe, apparently, they're running short haul routes with uh, they're using computer software that calculates whether costs can be saved by fuel tankering. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a flight to Italy carried three tons of extra fuel. That is a lot of weight. But they did this to save money because I guess the fuel in Italy costs more. Costs than, more, yeah, than, so than whatever at, they would burn. Yeah, exactly. So um, the the cost savings on that specific trip was only forty British pounds or fifty five dollars, so less than <laughs> one. I mean, less than a Spirit Airways Spirit ticket, right? Fifty five dollars. Fifty five. That's like four Spirit tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Eurocontrol, the body which coordinates air traffic control for Europe, has calculated that tankering in Europe resulted in two hundred eighty six thousand tons of extra fuel being burnt every year, and the emission of an additional nine hundred one thousand tons of carbon. So, just to give you an example, the practice on European routes could result in an, an additional annual greenhouse gas emissions equivalent to that produced by a town of 100,000 people. That's crazy. For what? To save like maybe $100? Yeah. Is that worth it, you know, to have all those emissions for that cost savings? So yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I didn't even I, think about this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always curious how they come up with the math on these types of things. Uh, N not mainly the emission stuff, but that saving $55. Like I, I can't, I, I can't picture the software. Like it, does it look at real time gas prices at wh whatever yeah. place it goes to? Yeah. It, yeah. It must. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I've, I, I'm really surprised that they're able to actually save money by tankering. Cause I've, I've always looked at it. Like the more you carry, the more you burn, the more expensive it is for that flight to operate. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Europe is ahead of the U.S. in terms of uh, the, having... The green push. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, they want to be green by 2030 or before because um, for us it's 2050. Hopefully that will be um, carbon neutral. Yeah. Well, Europe is ahead, but the U.K. isn't part of Europe anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So they can use that. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, not, we, didn't, we didn't promise anything. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Martin and Matt for listening and engaging with us. We we love the engagement. We love the fake fights. Uh, we love the debates. And we also love the great content you give us. So on this episode, our content was from one of our listeners, Greg. We had content from Martin and Matt. So this is great. This is a great engagement. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nextstripnetwork.com, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. 
tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Drew, one thing that you forgot about too, our listeners helped vote us to Myrtle Beach this episode. That's right. Yeah. So that, I mean, yes. that, was, that was feedback from our listeners. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we did. And, you know, I was going to say the first half of the show, we, it was all us. We were like, you know, regaling everyone with our travel stories. Yeah, it was, it was made possible by the listeners. So thank you. And Drew, we're going to have to get Martin and Matt on the show together. See if, if they are the same person or if they are two different people. We might invite both of them and only one shows up. <laughs> because they're yeah. the same person well you know at least superman had glasses right these yeah. guys don't even they don't even try it they look exactly the same yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well thanks to all of our listeners for your support for joining the conversation we'll see you next week in the meantime stay aviation tough this has been the next trip podcast visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes trip reviews aviation photos and other aviation related content This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Uh, Well, so we we have to talk about this on on our group text with a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. We were were joking, or I was making fun of Drew for saying that we're in Fort Myers, and someone goes something about... Yeah, it's the same. Or no, Drew said it's the same metro. Yeah, area. I said whatever. It's the same. So I did. A, area. I did. Because I'm thinking go- they're all coastal cities. A Google map screenshot <laughs> with a line. We're like 600 miles <laughs> from Fort Myers. So we're like, yeah, Tampa, Orlando, uh, Savannah, Charleston, Atlanta. It's all part of the Fort Myers metro area. But then you were <laughs> saying Sarasota, like we were in Sarasota. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what we did to solve this problem is we got T-shirts. Mm-hmm. So then we can remember where we were. Well, you you tried to buy a T-shirt, and they didn't want you to just buy one because That's the right. sign said "Buy one get two free." Yeah. And I was already outside the store. And you yelled, "Doug, come pick out a T-shirt. We have to get, we have to get two more." <laughs>